Bellevue Residential College at the National University of Singapore. Each week during the semester, I'll be sharing some stories and tips as we explore the art of overcoming adversity, dancing with diversity in university and beyond. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to a new week. Last week, we talked about changes to residential life. And this week, we are going to talk more about changes. Because this is the new semester, I'm sure that you'll be meeting new people either in your module or in your interest group or in your co-curricular activities, you'll be having teammates, right? So I hope that today's podcast on team development is going to be useful to you in helping you learn how to manage yourself in a new team. This week in our workplace readiness class, we are covering the concept that is coined by Bruce Tuckman. So Bruce Tuckman had this very catchy stages of a team that he calls forming, storming, norming, performing, and lastly, the adjourning stage. Now he has these stages written in his 1965 paper called Developmental Sequence of Small Groups. These concepts and these stages are going to be covered in our Workplace Readiness class from week two to week five. And you have already experienced the first week where we talk about the formation stage. Now these stages are not meant as a kind of a team diagnosis. They're more of a guideline and just a way for the team to do some self-evaluation and a tool for which we can start a conversation about where the team is at and how to improve. I'm sure many of you have been in different kinds of teams. Some teams exhibit better performance than others. And it is likely that for a team that is high performing, for it to have a shared sense of purpose, where each team member has a sense of where is his or her role and how he or she fits into the larger purpose of the team. In this Thriversity podcast series, we always talk about the STEER model, S-T-E-E-R, where any given situation will give rise to thoughts. These thoughts are going to arise in a person, an emotion. And this emotion is going to affect execution of an action. The execution of an action is going to influence the results that a person gets. Now, the STEER model doesn't apply just to an individual. It also applies to a team. In different stages of a team development, there are also group feelings and group behavior. And what are these feelings and behavior as applied to a team? Now, in the formation stage, there'll be these kinds of thoughts that members have. Many of you, especially here in Richview Residential College, you are all part of a GQ team. And maybe when you first start getting to know each other, when the team is being formed, you have these thoughts, right? Number one, is there a plan? Is there a purpose? What is my role? What are the rules of group membership? What do I think about the leader? What do I think about the group members? Now, all these are thoughts that anyone has when they are first meeting a new team. As I shared with you, any thought will create emotions in a person or emotions in the team. Here are some common emotions 
you might have felt before when you first meet a new team. You could be feeling excited. You don't know what task you have, what kind of impact you'll be making, what kind of friendships will be developed, what kind of working relationships you will have. So there's a kind of excitement, the excitement whenever there's something new. For some people, because they have a lot of questions, they might also have curiosity as an emotion, or the team would be very curious about each other. Because there is so much uncertainty, you don't know what is ahead. For some people, there's also a feeling of anxiety because they could have been conditioned in the past, they may not have had good experiences, and they're quite anxious about how this team is going to be like. Now, those are all common emotions. These emotions are going to give rise to certain execution of behaviors, right? And these possible behaviors you might see are that because people don't know each other really well, everybody tends to be quite polite to each other. There is going to be very little disagreement and people are really welcoming of each other. So it's really too early to see people's true personalities at this stage where everyone is still trying to get a feel of one another. At this stage, the team's task accomplishment is very low because so much energy is diverted and is focused on defining what is the task and the mission. And a lot of the energy is based on interpersonal dynamics rather than the task that is needed to be done itself. So what do you do when you are in a team formation stage? What is your role as a member of the team and what helps the team best move forward? So one, make an effort to get to know each other. So at this stage, you'll be having a sense of one another, right? Observing each other, interacting with each other. Like maybe if you're an extrovert, you get a lot of information about people by actually interacting with them, talking to them, finding out information about them. If you are more of an introvert, you're likely to be watching and observing people's behavior, trying to find out more about them. But always remember, this is just the initial stage. And as they say, don't judge a book by its cover. I think as an educator, this is something that I have been uh, practicing really well because sometimes a student may appear one way in the first week of class, but it takes time for you to really get to know a student. So at this stage, you'll be trying to see what are their strengths, what are your team members' weaknesses, so that you can see where is the best role for each one of you. You might also be trying to find out or suss out what are their goals and motivations? What are some people inspired by? Like who are the ones who are more task oriented? Who are the ones who are more social oriented? Right? You guys know all this, the DISC profile. Some people are more dominant. Some people who are the I types, they're more sociable. Some people who are the S type, they're more steady and stable. Some people who are the C types, they tend to be people who are more detail oriented. So have a sense, get to know each other, especially in this formation stage, but also know that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Step two, which is really important, is to define the purpose of the team. An example would be your own GEQ project that you're going through now. 
Do you guys remember how many of us lecturers sat down with the GQ team, the WR lecturers, and spoke with you? We had the team proposal template and we asked all of you, what is your common mission? We talked to all of you in your teams about what is it that you want and the purpose that all of you see in this GEQ project. Some of you are motivated by the desire to be able to make an impact on the community, to do something that's sustainable. For some of you, you are motivated or you find that the purpose is to have fun in the team. For some of you, it is um, very task-oriented in the sense that you want to do well in the module. You want to get an A as much as possible. For some others, you're on the opposite spectrum. You're like, okay, we are just going to do a, an SU for this module. Now, if you are not someone in uh, NUS, SU just means to take a module, whether it's graded or ungraded. So different people have different motivations for being in the team. And it's important to know everyone's motivations so that you can get a common purpose for the team. Where do you want to go together? Lastly, if you are designated as the leader, you would want to have these three elements in place. What is the team direction? What are the team rules? What are the team roles? If you are a team leader, you might be thinking about these aspects, not just about what needs to be done, but also how and the kind of processes that are needed for things to be done. For team rules, the basic ones, for example, that everybody needs to be on time for meetings. Or if somebody sends a message on your chat, that a reply is expected in two hours, for example. So there are kind of team rules that you would like to set in place. Or this can be something that is co-created together with all team members. And lastly, a sense of the team roles. If you know where everyone's strengths and weaknesses lie, you might want to have a try um, at giving people different roles. Maybe some people are good at logistics. Maybe some others are better at research. So what are some areas in which each person in the team has ownership? So if you start reflecting on your team, you might be at the formation stage if these aspects are what you're going through. You might have thoughts like, what is the purpose of this team? What is your role? How do I fit into the overall picture? What do I think about my team members? Now, if you have these questions, you probably might have these feelings, a sense of excitement about what is the task ahead, curiosity about your team members, uncertainty, or even anxiety. Now, all these emotions will lead to certain behaviors, right? Like being very welcoming, hiding some of your true thoughts and feelings, and having very little disagreement in the team. And what can you do if you realize that you are at this stage of a team? One, as we shared, make an effort to get to know each other. Two, help to define the purpose of the team or co-create the purpose of the team. And three, if you are a team leader, you'll be setting the team direction, figuring out the team rules and also the team roles. Or again, this could be something done in consultation with the team members. So this is just the first stage of Tuckman's team formation. And next week, we'll be talking about the storming stage. And hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star rating or a review. 
it helps us to increase our reach on iTunes so that more people know about what we do here at our DRC.